The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matchlick, and you're listening to Matchlick Live. I hope you want to give me a call and you want to talk. We have wide open lines, nobody waiting right now. So uh, please feel free to llamame. Uh, that means call me in Spanish. And uh, I want to hear from you. All right, now, uh, last night I was in a debate, and um, it was really interesting. Uh, and I, if any of you saw it, listened to it, uh, I'd like you to call and give me your... your um, your impression of it. I'm going to just say that my opponent was uh, adept at rhetoric, uh, verbal carpet bombing, and avoidance. And uh, he said so many things that in my mind were so confusing that I, I actually thought more than once that I could, maybe I'm not understanding what he's saying because the arguments are so d- dumb or so bad. And uh, he failed to refute the syllogism I offered. He failed to deal with the one in the many. He failed to deal with the predication versus identity issue and the equal ultimacy of the Trinity, which are all mentioned in my opening statement. And he is the one who says repeatedly when he debates people, he always says, if you don't respond and answer to these objections to the Trinity, then I have proven my point and you have lost the debate. And that's why he says that kind of all the time. And he even said it last night in a debate. And yet, when I asked him difficult questions, he uh, ignored them, a lot of times ignored them, and then uh, would dismiss them otherwise. So he failed to do exactly what he says is a requirement in order to win a debate. So therefore, by his own words, he lost. And uh, that's the way it is. Though he was quite good, I will admit, at uh, what we call rhetoric, which is just throwing things out at 100 miles an hour. And there were a few things I had not even heard of excuse me, heard of before, which that's going to happen, and not a big deal, and so I uh, went through that. And it reminds me, when I debated Shabir Ali, uh, he was a Muslim, I debated him, uh, I don't know, two, three months ago, and in our debate, I asked him a question, and uh, he said he hadn't studied it, he didn't know. And, you know, I, okay, you know, and I said, oh, all right, that's all right, and I, I was very polite, and, and went through and said, this is what this is, and he said, I think that's fair in, in a, a debate, that if you haven't studied an issue, you really can't comment, because you can't know everything. And there was an issue I wasn't familiar with called indexicals. And so I said, well, I'm not sure what that means. And um, I've been mocked, for, <laughs> been mocked for that by the, let's see, the atheistic intelligentsia, which is really interesting because they had a discussion room afterwards where they all claim victory. They always do. The other side always does. And... Uh, I noticed that the atheists uh, sided with uh, the Muslim, which I think is really interesting because uh, I have a reputation among the atheist community and they don't like me. So how it works is this, is this way. If I were to debate an agnostic, then I'm wrong. If I debate a Muslim, then I'm wrong. If I debate a Mormon, then I'm wrong. Why? Because Matzlik is wrong, and that's their position. It's too bad, because what happens with that is a rather a, a dismissal kind of an attitude I must adopt. And the reason is, is because 
their their critiques are never objective, and you can't really learn from what they say because it's just ridiculous. And then when you go back and point out what about this, what about that, oh, you know, and so that's how it went. So uh, anyway, it was good, and uh, it was it was entertaining. All right, now we have five open lines. Why don't you give me a call? Eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. I've got nobody waiting. So um, I do want to let you know that we stay on the air by your support, if you are so kind. And you would consider supporting us by going to CARM.org, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G. And if you go to the for, to uh, you know, forward slash donate, or you go to the, the left side on the desktop, but on the phone, I think it's on the right side, the little hamburger menu, and you just, it's the, the navigation menu, pull it down. You'll see the donate uh, link. And what we ask is uh, five thousand. What we ask is uh, five dollars, five dollars uh, from people a month on a monthly basis. Five dollars is not that much, folks. It really isn't. Would you please consider uh, supporting us at five dollars a month? And uh, we hope that you would, because we're trying to get a thousand people who will do that. And we started this a couple of months ago or three months ago, and then it kind of faded out because of other things. And I'm bringing it up again. Uh, I know that the um, the uh, end of year is coming up, and I would hope that uh, everybody's going to have their financial needs met. But we we just stay on the air by your support. So please consider, a five, like I said, five dollars a month. You spend that on a, a couple of cups of coffee at a place, you know, and uh, people do that regularly. So there you go, and uh, I think that's it. We got a call coming in. We have four open lines: eight seven seven two zero seven. 2276 tonight. I'll be continuing in the Bible study I'm teaching on Romans chapter 2. We're going to be starting at verse 11. And it's a very interesting pericope. A pericope is a section of scripture. And we're going to go through uh, 11 through 16 and talk about the issue of the law and what is Paul teaching when he talks about uh, justification by the works of the law. Ooh, because he teaches that. But does he? And uh, that's what we'll be talking about. Oh, we lost that caller. So five open lines. And I go through that in the book of Romans, and I'm particularly enjoying uh, the study in the book of Romans because the book of Romans is uh, brilliant. It is theologically deep. It is just awesome. And there are so many theological subpoints in there that I want to bring out that we're going to be going through. I'm looking forward to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 4, Romans 5, <laughs> Romans 6, and uh, Romans 7, there's some of the great stuff, and Romans 8, I know this is, and Romans 9, really good stuff. Uh, these are the heavyweight chapters that are coming, and I'm really enjoying all of that. But we're going to be taking a break for the holidays. We'll decide when we're going to do that. And um, there you go, five open lines. Let's see. Uh, okay, uh, all right. So like I said, we've got people in in the chat room and so if you saw the debate last night type out what you uh, what you thought or if you want give us a call and I want to hear what you thought uh, your your comments good bad ugly and all of that I want to know oh and that reminds me um, well actually it doesn't because I saw a link open I think I talked about uh, voting on Tuesday and my wife and I voted and I stood in line with a Mormon and uh, talked to a Mormon about uh, salvation and after the debate last night, it reminds me because we had a uh, an after show, and a Muslim came in, 
and it was really interesting uh, to talk to him because um, he was defending stuff. He was kind of difficult to work with. He was the kind of Muslim that would just talk really fast and not really answer a question. And then I've noticed this among a lot of Muslims, the incredible arrogance that they possess. Uh, and I'm not kidding. I'm not just being mean, but a lot of them. Now, Shabir Ali, he was not like that at all when I debated him. He was a polite, humble man. But I've talked to so many Muslims and the arrogance that they have. And so what I did was I asked him some questions. And I said, uh, are your sins all forgiven right now? It's a simple question. And he says, he hopes so. I said, well, but are they? Not do you hope. Are they? And he couldn't say. And I said, now, if you were to die right now, where would you go? You know, I don't want you to die right now, but if you did, where would you go? And uh, he said, well, I, I, I would go to paradise. I said, why? Have you done enough good works? And the Muslims try and mix humility with arrogance at the same time. Well, he said, well, I hope that I've done enough and that Allah, by his mercy, will save me. I said, it's okay. So you're mixing humility and arrogance at the same time. You're hoping that in his mercy that you've done enough good to please the infinitely holy God, right? So which is it that you're holding to, pride or humility? And this is a question I'm going to be asking Muslims because they teach that you are saved by, uh, well, here's the thing. You're saved by your works, but you're not saved by your works. See, in Surah 23, 101, 102, then when the trumpet is blown, there will be no more relationships between them that day, nor will one ask after another. Then whose, uh, those whose balance of good deeds is heavy, they will attain salvation. Verse 103, but those whose balance is light will be those who've lost their souls in hell. Will they abide? And this particular Muslim, when I asked him about this last night, uh, I said, is your balance of deeds heavy? Your good deeds heavy? Is it good? And he says, inshallah, which means if Allah wills, if Allah sees it. I said, so you don't know. But you, you say that you know you can attain salvation. That's what the Quran says. You'll t attain salvation if your deeds are good. You have enough good deeds. Are you had enough good deeds? And he wouldn't answer. He couldn't answer because he's trying to be humble. But he can't say, "Yo, yeah, I've, I've got it." He's going to say, "Well, if God says so." But they must be assuming they're being good enough. I mean, what else would you think as a Muslim? They must be assuming that they're doing enough good in order to be right with God. Why would they stay in it? If they were to think, you know, I've just got nothing. I got, I've got nothing at all. You know, it's it just depressing. Well, what is? But they boast in Allah. They boast in the Quran. So I was asking about this, and it reminded me of something that the Catholics say because they say the same thing: that uh, you know, you you are saved by grace through faith. Well, that's Mormonism, after all, you can do Second Nephi twenty five twenty three. But uh, in paragraph 2068 of the Catechism, the Catholic Church, says, you obtain salvation by faith, baptism, and the observance of the commandments, by the keeping of the law, by the things that you do. And this is what I've, I've learned about uh, the false religious systems, is they all, one way or another, 
say that their works with the faith of God, their faith in God, is going to be enough to save them. This is arrogance. It is so arrogant to say that, or even to believe or hint, that, well, you know, I'm trying, but God understands my sincerity, my heart, my works, and he'll take it into account. Really? Where do you get this? It's human. It's humanism. It's human thought. And it's a real uh, concern I have. But this Muslim last night said that he, he'll make it to heaven because if he's done bad stuff, then what will happen is he'll go to a place of torment where he'll be purified before he goes to heaven, which is what Catholicism teaches. The same thing. It's just, to me, it's amazing. Because Mormonism teaches a, vari a variation of that, too. It's amazing to me that so many of the false religions teach the same kind of thing. And why do they? Because they teach the same kind of salvation process. It is by your works and your faith in God, and he'll understand, and then the combination you'll make it, you hope, you, you expect, because man, you have the confidence to know that in your humility and in your works you're going to make it. And that's, uh, it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate because uh, it's just not biblical. So many people, uh, so many people are deceived. And uh, it's just, it's amazing. Now we're about ready for a break. We've got one, one uh, caller waiting. We're talking about the battlefield of the mind. And, uh, We'll wait till after the break, but I want you to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Four open lines. Give me a call. We'll be right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. If you want, give me a call. All you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Let's get to Samuel from North Carolina. Sam, welcome. You're on the air. Yes, sir. Good evening, sir. I'm calling Good evening. To, to know the primary battlefield for Satan. War against us is it on the, the the mind? Is it on the house and the in the playground or where? Where is it? Is the primary area that Satan is concerned about destroying our lives? Um, it's everywhere. But uh, let's see. Uh, what we have to understand is that uh, he does not uh, rest. He he seeks to destroy people. He will use any means as possible. It could be a billboard that you stare at. It could be uh, a commercial that has the promotion of homosexuality. You could see uh, the the assault upon our senses to degrade our passions, to follow after our flesh. That and this is promoted by his servants in the media and in society and in, in varying forms of culture. Then there's the internal battle that we have to go through where our own minds, our own hearts, uh, and the clarity as well as the cleanliness of our thoughts and actions within us. Because the enemy 
works to affect our internal self. He wants the externals to corrupt the internal. He wants the the eyes and the ears and the hands to see, hear, touch ungodliness and then make it part of what's in you. And so the battle is external as well as internal. Okay. okay. That brings me to another question, sir. Um, the brain is the, is the command center for the body. As a man yes. thinks in himself, so is he. Is that, how does the, the demon influence your way of thinking? Well, that's a debate uh, among Christians, but um, we cannot be possessed by demons. That's that's one thing. But how do they influence us? You know, I just don't know. The Bible doesn't say. It doesn't say like as though a demon can whisper something into your ear and you hear a thought. It's not like that. Though I do write like that in my novel, uh, The Influence. That's just uh, that's just fiction and uh, a literary device. But biblically speaking, we don't know. And so I just can't answer that one because the Bible doesn't tell us. Thank you, sir. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Is that it? that good? Yes, sir. That's very good. All right. Got any other questions? Because we got nobody waiting right now. It's a slow day today for some reason. Okay. Okay, sir. Okay. That it then? You got anything else? No, sir. That's no? it. Okay. Well, thanks. All yes, right. Sir. Well, God bless. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. That was Sam from North Carolina. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877 You know, I mentioned um, Catholicism earlier. Might as well talk a little bit about that because I'd like to talk about it here and there on what it teaches in varying areas. And what I want to do is just go over a few things of what it says, uh, just so you can know. And this is not me hating on Catholicism. This is what it actually teaches. And it says, for example, in paragraph 18.1 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it says that uh, you obtain the joy of heaven as uh, God's eternal reward for the good works accomplished with the grace of Christ. Now, what do you guys think of that? Have you ever heard that? And people tell me, you know, Catholics are Christians. Well, there might be... Catholics who are Christians, but official Roman Catholic theology is Antichrist. Official Roman Catholic theology is bad news. It's just not Christian. It's not true. It teaches these heresies. And it's it's amazing to me. Uh, so if eternal life is a reward for doing good works, well then, you know, we have to ask, what person would ever ever assume that that's the case. Now what they're going to do is they'll talk about the difference between con condign merit and congruent merit. And they'll say, well, no, it's reward, not that it's owed in strict merit, but it's owed in a sense of condign merit, which is God's self-imposed reward. He imposes his own value upon that condition and he obligates himself to uh, give you eternal life as a reward for the good works you're accomplishing. It's not that it's a strict merit that you earn it by your good works, but it's a reward of your good works. So it's a play on words, what they do. They they speak like this. So I say, well, it's, so it's still based on your works, isn't it? No, it's based on God's mercy. Then why does it say uh, the reward for the good works? And this is just uh, more of the deception 
that goes about in false religious systems. Four open lines. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Josh, watch, uh, you're on the air. Josh, welcome. Hello, how are you? Doing all right. Hanging in there, man. Hanging in there. What do you got, buddy? So I was just kind of calling in regards to the caller where they made the comment, you know, asking about demonic forces, you know, controlling you. And you mm-hmm. had mentioned, you know, as far as a biblical sense, not really having, you know, a reference to fall back on. The only thing I could think about was Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, where it talks about we wrestle not right. against blood, but against principalities and powers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Spirit. Yes. Uh, so, yes. I guess they're there. The only biblical reference I would think would be like the seducing spirits over there, and I think it's in maybe First Timothy. You know, the old nature that God doesn't save. I guess that's really where they would influence us. That whether it be through something lustful or you know greed or whatever, that would be their open door to oppress our mind. It's true. And you know, since you mentioned First Timothy 4, if you go to verse 1, but the Spirit expli- explicitly says, that's the Holy Spirit who has personhood because he speaks, the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, how are they going to know what the doctrines of demons are? And, and uh, James 3.15, this wisdom is not from uh, what comes from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. So it would, I would assume that what this, these verses are talking about are demonic forces that are working through people in order to teach uh, false things. That's what I would think. True. Uh, how that works. True. Yeah. And I would say that such demonic doctrines are found in the Roman Catholic Church in Mormonism, in Jehovah's Witnesses, in Eastern Orthodoxy, in Islam, uh, and varying uh, other religions that deny the truth of who Christ is and what he's done. I agree with you. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. You know, I've listened to your station now for a couple years, you know, on the way home from work, uh, and heard many good debates and, you know, some very unique phone calls. And that last one, and you said we're kind of slow tonight, so I thought I'd just call and just kind of give yeah. maybe my little two cents from a biblical view. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, it's important uh, to talk about these kind of things, and I'm glad you're listening. And you said you've been listening for a couple of years. You know, one of the things you could do, and I do recommend this, you know, I ask for donations. I think about this now. I ask for donations, you know, in the ministry that I run, and I do. We do definitely need it. But also, it's good to go to uh, the website, uh uh, the radio website and donate there and support them too they need it as well but hey Josh we got a break so we got to go okay buddy alright man God bless alright you have a good night thank you, you Matt alright hey folks five open lines wide open give me a call 877-207-2276 we'll be right back It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Show, if you want to give me a call, all you're going to do is dial 877-207-2276. I want to hear from you. Give me a call. All right, we're talking about demonic stuff a little bit there. Not going to, I'll talk about that in a little bit, but we got callers coming in. So uh, let's get to Sam from North Carolina. Hey, Sam, you back? Yes, sir. Yeah. So what do you got, man? 
have a question. I want to know what objective when he said to God, if you are this God, turn to become bread. Luke 4. Oh, you mean the temptation of Jesus about making bread? What was the purpose? Yes, uh, what, 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 I believe that Jesus can easily convert the stone to bread, but what was Satan's objective as if he had okay. done it? All right, so here, with little theology to answer that first, little theology. First of all, Jesus was made under the law, Galatians 4.4. 4. So he had to live accordingly under that law, and there would be someone he would uh, call God, etc., now, when he was baptized, because after his baptism is when the temptation came, when he was baptized, he was baptized in order to enter into the priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. And when this baptism occurred, the Holy Spirit came upon him. His miracles didn't be uh, begin until after his baptism when the Holy Spirit moved upon him. And so, uh, I lean towards the idea that Jesus did his miraculous works by uh, the Holy Spirit in the perichoretic relationship of the intertrinitarian communion. And that's uh, advanced theology, but we won't talk about it here. Nevertheless, so if he's doing his miracles by the power of the, the Holy Spirit, it would mean then that he was in submission to God and working under the law of God where the Holy Spirit was upon him anointed him for his work and in this is the Trinity manifested that it's the will of the Father that Jesus submitted to who gave the blessing upon the Son the Holy Spirit anointed the Son and the Son of course is the one going through this then when Satan comes along he says if you're the Son of God command that these stones become bread in other words move away from what the procedure is or the ordination of God's uh, taking care of you through the Father's provision and the Spirit's ministry instead of doing that do it on your own and command this and that's what I think is going on there okay okay, okay. So it, it'd be a type of rebellion that, that uh, the devil was trying to get Jesus to participate in and he tried three times. Then the devil took him yeah, to a city. Yeah, because Jesus said, Thou shalt not live by Yes. By bread alone. Yeah. Matthew Thank 4, you, 4. sir. Yeah. And so that's what I think is going on there. It has to do with, uh, it, if we understand the theology of the personal work of Christ, then it makes sense. Okay? Yes, sir. All right. Okay. Anything else you want to ask? Okay. Well, God bless. Thanks, Sam. All right. Let me continue with this, uh, what he said here, Matthew, for what Satan did, the three temptations. And to make bread, that's about the flesh. Okay. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he'll, he'll uh, keep his angels charge over you, and uh, you won't, you know, you'll be safe. And he says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So without Satan is trying to do is to get Jesus to test the reliability of God the Father. Because the Father had sent him in the eternal covenant, Hebrews thirteen twenty, that he ordained from the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1, 1 through 11. And so this now would be a, a way of tempting God outside of the will of God. And, and Jesus says, no, I'm not going to do that. Then he says, uh, 
if you fall down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms and things like that. And uh, he says, go away. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So then it was an, uh, an appeal to the pride that he was trying to induce in Christ and selfish ambition in Christ. And of course, Jesus rebuked him because now it's an, an intent, an intent to appeal to and get Jesus to sin by f- not falling down and worshiping the true God, but a false God. So Satan tries in different ways, in different types of temptation in order to oppress uh, the Lord Jesus. Now think about how this works in our lives. In the fleshly needs, you know, commanded to be uh, bread. And then, well, God, if you, blah, 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 then I'll, blah, 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 you're testing God. And you're trying to negotiate with God and get God to do what you want him to do. And in the issue of idolatry, to serve something other than the true and living God. Because we're guilty of these things. We might serve our family more than God, our ministry more than God, or certain ideas, or whatever it is, our work, uh, or habits, or whatever, uh, more than God. So these three areas here, fleshly needs, and then the will of God, putting God to the test, and also uh, uh, falling down in worshiping something else. It doesn't have to be literally worshiping like a car in your job, but the idea of God's, uh, of lacking uh, the position, of removing God from the primary position of his adoration and worship where he needs to be in all areas of our life. This is what's going on here. And so Satan is tempting Jesus in these three ways, and he can do the same thing with you. He can do the same thing with you. So here's the question. What should you do if you suspect that... uh, you might be demonically oppressed. Now, when I say that, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but, you know, the, the demonic forces are there. And Ephesians 6, 12 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness. So what do you think? Uh, you know, what if you think, you know, I wonder if there's demonic forces going around in your life. Well, I'm going to address that right now. The first thing you should do is pray. Ask the Lord to protect you. Very first, you've always got to get involved in prayer. Lord, please uh help me in this area and you 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 go and you talk to the lord that has to be the number one thing you do because it's a spiritual battle and you want to use uh, spiritual forces you want to use spiritual tools and prayer is the number one and i'm reading from an article uh, that i'd written on this and uh, then what you do is you take a survey of your life to see if there are any doors in your life that are open to demonic um, stuff so let's say you have tarot cards or you look at astrology to see if you can learn things or you've practiced seances or Ouija boards or you've done, you know, abused drugs. Uh, the word uh, for pharmakia is um, sorcery in the Bible. And so uh, drug abuse, pharmakia, and sorcery, they're related. Anyway, drug abuse, uh, pornography, and a lot of people don't really focus on this, but demonic music, because there is demonic music. And how do you identify it? When it exalts evil. That's it. If the music exalts evil. Now, you know, uh, you know, um, paperback writer by the Beatles, is that demonic? You know, I'm not going to get into that kind of stuff. But I mean, music that actually uh, exalts um, evil things. And I don't want to say them over the air, 
because there might be children around, but you get the idea. So the, I, the thing you're supposed to do is renounce all of these, confess them as sin, and, and uh, seek the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to cleanse you. Seek that forgiveness that's in Jesus. Now, here's a third thing you've got to do. You need to take those tarot cards, astrology stuff, Ouija boards, uh, drugs, paraphernalia, uh, whatever it is, along with uh, things like Watchtower magazines, come to Jehovah's Witnesses, and get rid of them. Now, I have Watchtower magazines and the Book of Mormon in my home, but it's because I do them for research. They're not the means by which I seek spiritual truth, because those things are not from God. And if you are using them for spiritual truth and they're not from God, then they are demonically authored. And you are opening yourself to demonic oppression. And that such demonic oppression can be interesting because it can manifest itself in demonic forces that confirm what you're doing is true. And they can appear as familiar spirits. All demonic forces need are doors to open. And so if you have some of these things and you're practicing in them, then it opens up demonic doors and you might get Aunt Martha appearing to you. Yes, this religion that you're in right now is a true one. And then you say, oh, it's true. And because people don't realize when they don't have the Bible as the final authority, what they do is they look to something else like the Book of Mormon, Watchtower magazines, or statues of Mary that they'll pray before, they seek Mary, false religious materials, New Age stuff like crystals and things like this. And they use these things along with astrology, tarot cards, uh, uh, various uh, Ouija boards, and they use them as a means of gaining spiritual power, knowledge, authority, whatever it is. Those are the ways in which demonic forces get in the house and further deceive people. And Romans 1, 18-32 talks about the people being deceived and God giving them over to that deception so they believe the lie. And I remember when I was talking to this Mormon lady two nights ago, waiting in line to vote, she was so convinced of Mormonism and she had no idea how bad it is. And she just knew it was true. And I know for a fact it's false. So she's open to demonic oppression. Hey folks, there is the break music, so we'll be right back after these messages. Give me a call, wide open calls, 877-207-2276. Got nobody waiting, give me a call. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Just want to let you know that we have five open lines. Slow day today, and that happens. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. I want to hear from you. Um, in the text, someone said something. I'm looking for the exact phrase. And I, want, I thought it was well put. I never thought of it this way. But the Mormons uh, pray about the book, are told, pray about the Book of Mormon and listen to it for a voice. And in the light of what I was saying, this is exactly the same kind of thing that uh, when, I, when I was involved in the occult before as a Christian, the exact same kind of thing that I would do. Now, I'm not going to tell people how to do this, but I would, uh, I will tell you that when I was involved in the occult for a couple of years before I became a Christian, I mean occultic stuff, seances, um, we tried a Ouija board, we tried uh, pendulum swinging, we tried necromancy, astral projection, uh, chakra balancing, uh, all kinds of stuff. And I mean, I was involved with it. And then I got saved and all that darkness went away. But one of the things we would do 
within these procedures is to focus on something or read something or look at something and wait and ask for communication. Ask for what we essentially amounted to a voice. See, we've got to understand how utterly deceptive the enemy is. Now, I know that my show goes out to uh, Salt Lake City. And I know a lot of Mormons listen to what I say. And they have to understand that I'm not, I don't hate Mormons. No Mormon beat me up and now I hate Mormons. Nothing like that. Mormons are fine people. I mean, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't have any problems. Here's the keys of my house. I'll be back in a week. You know, they're not, they're not bad people. But um, the thing is that uh, Mormonism, I'm sorry, but it's not Christian. Because it teaches God came from another planet and he has a goddess wife and they have relations in heaven and make spirit babies spirit offspring that inhabit human bodies and through temple ceremonies you have the potential of becoming a god of your own planet and that's a super short version but that's what mormonism teaches and it is absolutely not biblical absolutely not it serves it teaches a false god a um, god that is finite a god that increases in wisdom and knowledge a god who was one of us and it's the the ultimate deception because it's saying God is really just one of us and we can become like him um, wow their God is nothing their God is weak their God is minuscule compared to the Trinitarian God who is eternal in all his essence and things and the creator of all things not evil of course but the conditions by which it is allowed to exist and he uh, understands and comprehends the location of every atom in the universe simultaneously that's not the case of, of the god of mormonism there's a huge difference and i like what jesse said thanks jesse well said um is that they are told to uh, get involved with a book and then pray and ask for a voice to speak to them the inner voice and that is precisely an occultic methodology I never really put those together I'm gonna to give just uh, thanks for that again because it's a good insight and it is true it's an occult procedure to go to a book pray about uh, reading it and then you submit your heart mind and the nature of truth to it and you ask for a voice a presence to come upon you internally in order to get truth and this is an invitation it's one of the procedures of invitations of demonic oppression to ask a to ask a false god a false spirit ultimately to speak to you this is exactly what occult uh, practices uh, are comprised of exactly we're never told to pray about the truth of what God says. What God says is true. You don't pray to determine its truth. It is true. It's a huge difference. Because if you determine to see if it's, it is true, then you're saying, I will experience something to determine what God says is right or wrong. And this is arrogance and it's foolishness. This is what Mormonism does. It's really bad. Let's get to Rick from Ohio. Rick, welcome. You're on the air. Uh, thank you, Matt. I just wanted mm -hmm. to thank you. Uh, I listen to you every day. You're uh, terrific. Oh, thanks. But, uh, tell my yeah. wife how great I am. Call her up at the office <laughs> and tell her I'm terrific. Okay. And if she okay, if she creative. says, did he put you up to this? Just go, no. what? And, you know, uh, okay. 
I have a question. My mom seems to think that uh, we have like a generational curse, and, and I'm wondering how they could, how can you break that thing? Let's define what it is first. Um, there oh. is a sense in which generational curses are true because we are affected by the sin of our ancient father, Adam. And so there's a curse effect upon his descendants. Now that's a generic, broad understanding because the curse that fell to Adam fell upon us and we all die, we all get sick, things like that. It's part of the, the curse. And the curse of uh, Eve, who represented women, is to have pain in childbirth. So there is that. Now, a generational curse is generally understood to mean your specific family has a curse attached to it and then the children. And it wouldn't be your neighbor, but you and your family, etc. And so this is generally how that is, is the case. Now, is it possible? Well, yeah, it is possible because there, like, for example, uh, God actually curses uh uh, the house of Eli in First Samuel 3, their, the sins of their house will not be forgiven. That is a curse upon them and, and their uh, in his house right there. So these are broad ways of looking at it. So is it possible? Well, yeah, it is. And we get more specific about individual cases. So in a specific home, if someone were to ask me, Matt, look, I, I've got some problems. I think there might be a generational curse. Well, I'll, I'll come over. Let's talk. And so I would ask questions. What in the past from your father, your mother, your grandparents, aunts, uncles, do you think might be the open door by which they have invoked demonic presence on you and your family and your descendants? And one of those could be being Mormon, praying to Mary in statues, uh, believing in the Watchtower organization, believing in Muhammad, you know, in Islam. These, and I'm and talking in generalities. The, What's that? And that would carry down through the kids? Absolutely. So let's take Mormonism, for example, where they teach that God came from another planet, there's a goddess mother, and you can become gods. Well, whoever believes that is under a curse, because the Bible says, curse is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the law to perform them, Deuteronomy 27:26, which is quoted by Paul in uh, Galatians 3.10. And so the children will suffer that curse because they will uh, also suffer the belief of a false uh, system of belief, and they will fall under that same curse. How about that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how do you break it? Yeah. How? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you send me $20, I can give you a little uh, cheat. Uh, Okay, so uh, no, what, what you do... I love saying stuff like that, stupid stuff. Uh, the first thing you do is uh, you ask God uh, in prayer to reveal any open doors that you yourself might be involved with or your ancestors or relatives might be involved with or have been involved with. And uh-huh. you go through and you just lay them out before God and you just say, Lord, here's these things. Here's the things I'm guilty of. And Lord, I think that Aunt Martha might have been involved in Christian science, for example. And uh, so right. I held the key to the scriptures. And so she taught this, and she was praying to her demonic uh, god for us, which is an invocation of demonic forces upon the family, which is what happens in Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Islam, and Catholicism with their demonic uh, stuff about Mary. And so magic water, that's right. 
That's what you do is you first have to identify, you pray, and you identify the possibilities that are there. doesn't mean you have to get everyone right, but you go through what you know, what you're aware of, and you ask God, show me the things that might be uh, related to this. And as I said earlier, you need to look in your home to see if any gifts have been given you by people who might say, you know, here is an example. This I'm gifting you with this Book of Mormon. Pray about Read it and pray about it. Well, that's an occult thing. Now, me, I say, hey, give me your Book of Mormon. I'll put it in my stack of other Books of Mormons, you know, and because I, I, I go through and use it as a research tool. So that's not a big deal for me. But for someone else, they might say, okay, I'll consider that. Now that becomes a, an open door for the occult and demonic oppression. So it's as an example, like Mary's statues. I went over to a house of a friend uh, a few years ago. We walked into the house, and I was stunned. And I mean staring, stopping, looking around, hardly able to believe what my eyes were looking upon. I went into this house of this Catholic woman. must have been 500 statues of Mary all about her house. You walk in and you're like, oh my goodness. Maybe 500 is an exaggeration. Let's say maybe 200. It was like that. And so these are occult doors because it's it's idolatry praying to someone who's not God, the true God. So you identify things in your house. Now, if you have a statue of Mary... You need to be careful, as an example, because it does it is you pray to Mary and you stand before the statue and pray. That's an occult door. If someone gave it to you and they blessed the statue, they want you to have the statue. It's in your house. That could be an, uh, an occult door. So <clears throat> then you say, well, what do I do? You know, well, you get rid of occult doors. You close the doors. And if someone says, well, it's, it's a gift I gave you. I said, sorry, it's gone. I remember seeing a, uh, a show on TV, and they had a, a, a house that was going to, you know, go through the house and going to sell this house. And uh, they had a, a Buddha statue in the backyard. And I remember saying to my wife, that's the first thing going if I bought that house. First thing out of here is that thing. It's gone. Okay. It, I'm going to destroy it. I'll take grenades. I'll take my AK, and boom, boom, it's gone. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, that kind of thing. So this is the idea. This is what you do. And then you ask God to break any potential curses or open doors from the past and or the present associated, and you continue to do this. Just because you pray it once doesn't mean it's going to happen at this point. Right. Sometimes it takes work. Sometimes it takes time to do it. And you just got to go through the process. And I would recommend at that point anointing your entire house with oil getting elders of the right. church to do it if they can. But if they, they don't want to or just not able to, that's okay. You're as a, as a man of the house, you can do it. Or a woman of the house can do it. Take oil, go through all the rooms. I like to pray out loud when I do it. Talk to right. my Lord. And just go through the house and anoint it and give it to the, to the Lord, etc. I'm speaking quickly because we're almost out of time. Sorry for going so fast. Right. But here's the thing. When you do this kind of thing, it sometimes stirs the pot. And things can get a little bit worse for a week or two or oh. three. Because okay. the demonic forces are going, we don't like this, and then you get a flat tire, and then all of a sudden, you know, your car's running rough, whatever it is. It can happen. Right. Nothing's going to. And you go through this procedure, right. and this is how you deal with it. Sorry I had to go so fast, but I was trying to get it out before that's the show fun. ended. Uh, you gave me a lot to go with here. That's great. That's well, you're great. welcome. Yeah. Okay, to get yeah, someone listening. Yeah, we, we have uh, my aunt Catholic, so. Okay. <laughs> well, you know. If she's praying to Mary for you on your behalf, you've got to stand against that. And to right. say, just, just, just pray about it. Lord, just bind that in, in Jesus' name, you know. And, and that's right. 
not I bind it, but Lord, would you please bind this in the name of Jesus? And don't right. pray to demonic forces. You know, Satan, I bind you. Don't pray to demonic forces. Pray to Jesus and ask him to take care of it. Okay? Okay. Thank yeah. you, Matt. All right. That was rapid fire, but I wanted to get it out. There you go. God bless, Rick. Hey, the great work that you do, and God bless you. By God's grace. By God's grace. God bless you, too. Hey, folks, there you go. All right. Another one done. Hey, by his grace, we'll back on here tomorrow. We'll talk to you then, and maybe we'll get some hate mail. Yay! We'll talk to you then. Have a great evening, everybody. God bless. Another program powered by the Truth Network.